Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So, musician Elliot Smith, are you guys familiar with Elliot Smith? No. I am not. And I <laughs> thought it was, there's, who's the other Smith? Isn't there a, who's uh, the, who's there's the, the band, the Smiths. No, but who's the, who's that, who's that, Sam Smith? Sam, 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 Sam Smith. Smith. I thought it was Sam Smith. And anyway, yeah, so I was, I had to like I know who Elliot then. Smith is. I, I just, I, I resent the way he spells Elliot. You don't like that? No, because it's I, bullshit. I also think it's rude. I think bullshit. It's most people rude. do. Two L's? No, two T's and two L's? No, most people I feel like spell it the way you spell it. No, no, no. Mine is or at least, or at, least at least there's two L's. I'm okay with two L's. I'm not yeah. okay with two T's. Fuck you for two T's. Yeah, I, I, I like a shorter know. Elliot. I don't yeah. like a longer Elliot. I think yeah. Elliot Glazer spells his name the right way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. One L, one T. One L, one T. Yeah, but what's yeah, up? get on with it. Yeah. Know? But if you put a T at the beginning of my name and spelled it backwards, it would be toilet. So that's oh. unfortunate. <laughs> you, thought of, you thought about that a lot as a kid, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I hope nobody like figured it out. Well, you just told uh, everyone. Well, I don't care now, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, Elliot Smith was a musician. He uh committed suicide years ago uh, but he yes. was like oh. so beloved all right and, and um r.i.p now we feel uh, horrible no i know rest in peace <laughs> it rest was in very peace. very you know his music was just so sad and, and very um people love him i mean there's a there's a mural to him here in la um what's his bit what's a big song he sang i don't think he had like any real big it's not, i don't think he had like real big songs but he, i think it was him that there was a moment in the late 90s when they were performing each song that was nominated for an Oscar or something. Yeah. And yeah. he, I don't remember if he protested or something, but there was, maybe he didn't protest, but there was some bizarre night when he was nominated for a song for a film. And so was Celine Dion for the Titanic song. Uh-huh. And I think their being like either together or in the same space was just like a mind fuck for, you know, like yeah. Gen X slackers or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's a, he was a musician and uh, it came up apparently on like a, a Reddit a reddit thread um that in his music before well even before he went solo he was in a band called heat miser from 91 to 96 Mm. and during his years miser Miser, during that during the years with heat miser he um one of the bandmates was was queer his name was neil gust oh just like alan yeah 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 and um elliot wanted to make the the he wanted to um degender the songs or or swap the pronouns he he said he wanted to do it because he wanted to basically appease his queer bandmate um oh. and wanted to make the songs quote more gay for him oh, and neil, nice. neil gus said that elliot was more political about it than i am he said he, he refrained from putting the pronoun she in his songs on our first record so that it would be more gay which is I mean, for like 1991 to 1996, that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously they weren't like huge stars or whatever, but like Elliot Smith was pretty, you know, pretty um, significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty iconic. I thought this was a very sweet little anecdote. 
pretty yeah, icon- pretty iconic says alan who had to google him to look it up to look yeah. up. <laughs> no i mean i know i know he how big he was and how people loved him it's just the music yeah. to me is just like napping music i just it feels like yeah. it just feels like stuff that you just use and like to fall asleep like narcoleptics use. He's, he's no lorena mckinnon we know yeah. that <laughs> but no i with this i think it's i think it's wonderful that that someone would a straight person i'm assuming he was straight would yeah he was upon himself to do this for their bandmate the other part of it is like, I, I and this is just me being cynical, but it, it makes me feel like the super hyper liberal person sort of going out of their way to make whatever marginalized person they encounter feel comfortable, which is fine. And I think that's important. But I also am like, you don't have to like fetishize it. Like you do your thing, dude. I'll do my thing. You do your thing. Like you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to make me a special person in this equation of what your song is trying to convey you know what Definitely i mean a little surprised to hear you say that yeah <laughs> i mean but it's like I, I i respect that he did it i respect the sentiment behind it but i'm also kind oh of, is it necessary i don't know like does yeah. melissa etheridge change her lyrics for just you know <laughs> like to, to appease her band did Alana delana's morissette change her lyrics to appease her mostly male band in in understanding you ought to know no. So, I mean, Elliot Smith was the head of yeah, the yeah, band, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, right? Like you're, you're supporting Elliot Smith. You're supporting the lead person in the band. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't that's know. Just, it's just so considerate. And it's like, also in like the early nineties that had, I mean, now you could probably have that reaction and be like, okay, like I get it. You're out. Al- you're, you're an ally. Thank you. Whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I think yeah. back then, especially, I mean, even back then if, it's bold for sure. Yeah. yeah. And also, in, and it was like a private thing. It wasn't like he did it for attention. He was doing it specifically for, you know, the sake of, of his, his bandmate, but also yeah. all of it makes me think about how back then I, I mean, I know I was very cautious of like not singing or like not singing the wrong pronouns and like never ever singing a, like a girl's song. If I, I was singing a girl's song, I would, hmm. for in whatever context it was in, it was like, God forbid, yeah. God forbid I use the pronoun he if I'm talking about a love interest. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so um, evident. <clears throat> yeah. And I love I've... it. I, lo- and I love that about him. That literally never never was i mean i never even considered that as a kid i know because i don't i don't even know the no, context I, I, which I, would come up but i remember being like don't say he like i, I remember this he. i remember for valentine's day you know you would like make that you would you know pack those little valentines with like a little no. candy heart which i just bought i bought a box of candy hearts last <laughs> they were on sale for like 25 cents because we're post valentine's oh, day yeah. now i haven't and, well, no, I don't have that. There's, they're also so good but i remember I would I would actually go through all the Valentines to make sure that a guy wow, 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 in my wow, class wow, wow, would wow, never wow. get a Valentine that said be my Valentine as if yeah. anyone even read into it. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. But that that's the that's that's exactly the point. It's like that was very much on your mind. Yeah. You know, you were real you weren't just thinking about it, like you were going through to make sure. And yeah. and that's why I thought that's why I thought this anecdote was so sweet because like you know, we were young at the time, but still like be, being mistaken for yeah. affection for another boy could have been disastrous. And this was yeah. an adult being like, say, say, say he, say he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? right, I didn't right. have any of that, but I definitely had the fear of the music I liked. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Outing me like that was a big, that was a big oh, thing. Oh, sure. I mean, I never 
I never cared about singing or anything. So that never really came into my mind. But the music, I was worried about like loving Bette Midler and then having people recognize or know something about me from just knowing that. Like that was a big fear. Yeah. I, by, by the time I got to high school, I was very famous for my mixed tapes that were had ex- featured extraordinarily eclectic music. Um, <laughs> everything from Peter, Paul and Mary to Sonique to Raffi. Uh, I was perfectly comfortable. With, Who is Sonique? She like had a club hit or something. She had like one. She had one hit, and I'm forgetting the name of it. But you would know at the moment you heard it. It was like I think it was pretty big. Were you a Did, jock? Was I a jock jams guy, Ellie? Yeah. Is that what? Yes. <laughs> no, I was a I was a pure moods bitch. I oh, I had yeah. I was all about the album Pure Moods. Remember when that? I don't even know what that huge. is. That oh, was huge. Huge. Alan, it? you don't know Pure, pure moods, moods. No, I moods, and yeah, like that was when. That new, new, what do you call it? Like world music or like a new, new age. New, and new I, age. Was, yes. I was weirdly obs- obsessed with new age after pure moods. And it was one of these compilation albums, you know, when they would show uh, on TV, they'd be like, you know, back when they advertised a CD on TV yeah. uh, and they would play all these different songs and they were all just kind of they like huge. They were all like weird, melodic Enya synthesizer yeah, songs. Very ethereal, spiritual. Right, right. And like, that's the same era when there was like an album by like a bunch of monks that went really, that was right. huge. And it's like very pre, it's honestly like very TikTok, pre TikTok. And I don't remember and, this Celtic, at all. Yeah, Pure Moods was a huge thing and a huge yeah. era. And like, that's what, basically that's what broke Enya. <laughs> I was clearly yeah. listening to Celine Dion. Celine Dion was my Pure mood. There were nights when the wind was so cold. <laughs> Both of those genres have essentially disappeared. Like, new, like a new age world music is not uh, is certainly not yeah. like a thing anymore. And like Celine Dion, like adult contemporary, like yeah. the, the song from Titanic was obviously enormous. But that era of well, like Michael Bolton that Adele does that now. Like but you, she's argue, the only one. Yeah, oh, the only one. He is the only, the only one who one. like has that broad appeal that reaches everybody. There's no like michael bolton there's no like celine dion where the music is technically like bad or whatever mm. and just plays constantly you hear it constantly it just yeah. i always am curious like what plays on the radio now. i remember it was a big deal on entertainment tonight when michael bolton huh? had his hair like oh. i remember that was like yeah. breaking news michael bolton and then he had that weird <laughs> he has that weird singing voice where like it's really low, but he's singing high songs. Like, oh. It's so strange. Yeah, I'm I don't not, never, I'm never understood Michael Bolton. Of Michael Bolton. He, everyone, people thought he was, or I guess like women on TV thought he was, he was sexy. A sex symbol. He was huge. Oh, that hair. God. Oh my God. What a surreal time. <laughs> 90s, man. What were we thinking? Not even joke. We're here with Harvey Guillen from What We Do in the Shadows, among other projects. Thanks for joining us, Harvey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's everything? How's everything going with you? Good. Uh, it's uh, sunny in LA. It's uh, yes. you know, so I feel like um, kind of an ass that I post pictures of how great our weather is. On the <laughs> <West side. laughs> That's the part of living in Los Angeles is that you can be a total asshole to everyone else. In the yeah. World. Yeah. I recently found out that that's where the Rose Parade was made. So the Rose Parade was actually in the 1800s. They just covered wagons with roses and took a, like a picture with a bulb and like yeah. send it as a postcard to people who are stuck in the snow in the East Coast. <laughs> So that's how, oh the, the, that's how the Rose Parade started. It was, to, it wow. was a total like flex and brag. And it was like, sorry, we have roses in January. Yeah, I love, and it. They, I, I love they, it. They get the picture like nine months later. And, I know. Like, everyone in the picture is dead by then anyway. Are you one of these people, uh, 
uh, are, you, are you sad? Are you sad <laughs> when it's cloudy? Or are you very like seasonal affective? No, I, I actually like when it's cloudy because we don't get a lot of those days. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like I get excited. Although people yeah. make fun of Angelina. I'm born and raised in LA and uh, people make fun of us because once like one raindrop hits the floor, people can't yeah. drive. They're like, oh my yeah. God. And like, you know, it's yeah. like, calm down. I can't even imagine. I, don't even get me started. I, I was living in Toronto when it was like snowing and they give us like a rental car. And I was like, I'm not using that. Like, it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was a, the, Brent and I used to live by this coffee shop where I would go there there a lot of mornings and every single morning people online hit stupid fucker people like Hollywood fuckers would be online and they'd be talking about how beautiful the weather is today it's mm -hmm. so great the weather is great and I was just like it doesn't change yeah it doesn't change why yeah. is this conversation the same thing every fucking no. day there's it nothing else yeah no. you could Stop change them. it i guess you know those weekend warriors who like do you could be like uh 6 a.m driving up to big bear be like snowboarding by 10 oh. go to the desert by like afternoon be swimming <laughs> in a pool and then see the sunset in santa monica i mean only yeah, right. only in southern california could you do that which is amazing like it could be like in three seasons yeah. in one day but yeah. i was like that's that's that that's a lot that's just gonna I'm, i maybe maybe you just pick one season and then i'll yeah. start for the week if you yeah. if you call yourself a weekend warrior drive off the cliff like just <laughs> keep going <laughs> Ew, what a term. <laughs> now you so you're on the, what we do in the shadows, which, which takes place in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you guys shoot? But I'm assuming you shoot here or or do no, you have to shoot in New York? We shot the pilot in LA, which was really cool for me. I was like, yes, if it gets picked up, we'll definitely stay here. And then we got picked up, and it was a uh, set in Toronto for Staten Island. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! So, Have you actually been to Staten Island? Uh, for the first time, I did. Um, actually, I was invited to Staten Island because I'd never been. <laughs> uh, and we're doing a, a, a story for Shadows for uh, the New York Times, and the New York oh, Times fine. asked me, "Have you been to Staten Island?" And it was like someone who usually goes with the, an actor and does something new and exciting, like jumps off yeah. a plane or like whatever. What yeah. they chose for me was Staten Island. The ferry? Did you go on the ferry? Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, yeah, we just took it to the ferry, and then you know the photographer's like, "We're going to Staten Island." I was like, "Yay!" Oh. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing that I I remember when I moved to New York years ago, I wanted to do Staten Island ferry just so that I could reenact Melanie Griffith, Bar and Joan Cusack, <laughs> not Barbara Streisand, not Barbara Streisand, Melanie, <laughs> Melanie Melanie Griffith and Joan Cusack from Working Girl, sitting there in like a nice little suit with tennis shoes on, and just mm. <laughs> reading what the movie? Paper. What movie was Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand, Funny Girl. Funny Girl. Oh, she lives in Staten Island, or she's no, she doesn't ferry? live in Staten Island. No. She, has, she has the boat. She gets the yeah. boat from the. She was yeah. commuting. It was weird because she was on the train and she was commuting. Yeah. She's talking on the street. She's singing in the middle of like you know the lower east side and then she's on the ferry yeah <laughs> oh my god i yeah. couldn't tell where where the sense of direction she was going i was like wait wait where are you going no, none of it made sense because <laughs> she was also supposed to be like in europe or something i think you can, <laughs> yeah. like but you know it's new york like yeah, it, yeah makes right. no Staten sense. island <laughs> wait no so on the show you play your friends you're kind of like the bodyguard slash bestie bff of these three vampires who like live in Staten Island modern day and you play Guillermo who's sort of they call it the um the familiar which is sort mm -hmm. of like you have special abilities but you're not a vampire but you kind of want to be a vampire is that right uh he's basically a servant he was okay. he was hired uh over 12 years ago and um in return uh he, his payment would be to become a vampire so familiar to the vampire would be like an apprentice, uh, mm. someone who helps you with everything you need because you've been true and loyal and you've learned the life of the vampire and now you are worthy. Uh, but if you look at the storyline of like 
the familiars in our show, I mean, they're like in their 80s. Like we've had familiars yeah. who come back and they're like, is it almost my turn? You know, and it's like, yeah. The, the ongoing joke is that familiars rarely get made into vampires. And he starts realizing that like, that's not happening for him. And also at the end of season two, plot twist, he finds out uh, that he's a descendant of Van Helsing. Yeah. So mm. he's a uh, he's literally and it's in his blood. So he starts actually uh with cat-like reflexes, like starts defending his roommates. Uh, not doesn't know where this is coming from. He's really good with the steak, <laughs> and he's yeah. really good with some holy water. Uh, and he's like, "What is this power?" It's like Spider-Man, you know, just deciding like, "Where is this coming from?" Uh, I've always, I've always thought that because when I was a kid, I loved Interview with Vampire and Rice. Like I was big into that whole genre, and I thought it was so fucking queer. Vampires to me are the gayest horror things in the world just because mm -hmm. the whole intimate like experience of literally like putting your mouth on someone's on neck yeah and yeah. like sucking, sucking. only the yeah. would do that only the <laughs> you know like that to me is so gay like, do you i mean a do vampires turn you on and b like do you do you have do you think that too with sort of like the I, of vampire? I think it does i think we we're just talking about that uh I'm actually doing this uh, uh, a ball, a vampire ball uh, mm. uh, in LA, actually. It's a huge thing, uh, the you know, uh, goth community and the vampire uh, community. So I was really excited to, to learn about that because I mean, like, I, you know, you, you all had or gone through the stage like, oh yeah, I'm goth, I wear black. But like really there's like a <laughs> community, killing it. Killing it. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, the whole idea, it's homoerotic. Like the idea that these, <laughs> It's also because you're, you know, what's uh, what's a lifetime to a mortal? Like you have to make decisions. You're too scared to try things. But if you're mortal, why not? Like at that point, yeah. you're living Fuck forever. Yeah. Suck a dick. You know, it's just yeah. like at that yeah. point, you're if just you like the teeth out. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then move on. Like that's why the thing about our show is that it's very queer. Everyone, all the characters on our show, like all the vampires, they're all open about their queerness. The, the, you know, the boy vampires finish each other off. The girl, it's like girls on girls, boys on boys, boys and boys and girls and girls. Very and fluid girls. on the show. Very. And very it's 2022. Never, very 2022. And like, it's never the topic of conversation where it's the taboo, where it's usually a storyline on a show is always the taboo or that's the character that's uh, shun or something tragic happens. And yeah. them being queer turns out to be tragic for them. And then this, Right. it's like yeah you're you're being queer and you're thriving you're a vampire you have all what you need at your disposal you live forever you're young you're beautiful sign me up <laughs> I, I i love that about gay characters that so often their homosexuality ends up leading to why they die or something right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like when you look at those old like you know even early like 90 like throwbacks or like anything like one of the first gay characters with a soap opera was like a tragic ending you know it's just like yeah. Yeah. really yeah. so that's what we're setting the tone yeah, and it? it's like it wasn't really until like the birdcage when like the gay people were allowed to live and to the end of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and even then you were grasping at your pearls, hoping that they make it through the film. Yeah. <laughs> fun fact, fun fact about birdcage, the Robin Williams character was actually based off of H. Allen Scott. That's true. So that's true. Had, actually, I would, I would hope Nathan that. Lane's character would be based off. Oh, that's it. Oh, I was like, who was because the- Because of the trajectory, the, the drag. Yeah. Who's, yeah, the one yeah. with the fuck. You fucked up the joke, Brent. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? I just found out that um, even when you look at characters that were subtle and like, 
like uh, uh remember to kill a mockingbird yes uh so sure. that one with harper lee the movie uh that character with the boy and the, uh-huh. the, she had two friends and one of them was a little bit you know flamboyant and a little Based bit on like Truman capote it's true a little light in the loafers yeah. and i was just like light in the loafers yeah. and i was even i remember seeing that in school because they showed up in school and i was like oh he's cowboy yeah. you know <laughs> it's just like realizing that truman capote actually wrote to kill a mockingbird because he was really close friends with harper lee because harper lee worked on uh uh in cold blood is that the movie is that the yeah yeah. Just, yeah 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 and, yeah. and she worked yeah. on that and so a lot of because people were so surprised this a person who never wrote a book before wrote the biggest book of all time basically right right yeah, and i wonder what that description was in the 19 you know late 50s early yeah it was like yeah. like just a description of when they were casting that role what was that description like and that breakdown of like yeah. a young boy must be um you know wink yeah. like you know it's just different. like what was the description different yeah. uh a on their way to an early grave yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely a sinner <laughs> yeah, right right <laughs> i'm still trying to think of vampires coming i didn't think vampires yeah. could ejaculate <laughs> You know, they, uh, they, they, they do profusely, like, it's just like explosion, like, because they have such, like, yeah. Harvey, I I was, uh, I was reading that uh, when you were a little bit younger, you would collect cans to return to get, by the way, thank you for, thank you for recycling. Thank you. You would collect cans to raise money to take an improv class at a local community theater. Uh, That was my first, uh, my first acting experience. I remember being six years old and I was watching what I thought was a, t- a TV show because uh, we were very poor and we didn't go to the movie theater or live uh-huh. production theater. So I was watching this new show by the name of Annie and everyone was singing and dancing. And I was like, oh my God, they're like in rags, singing and dancing, having the best time ever. We sing and dance when I have to clean uh, the house on the weekends with my mom. Like I was just like, I want to be that mom. I want to be an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me weird and I was like, ¿Qué estás loco? and I was just like, what? She's like, oh, son actores. And I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. And she goes, no, that's for rich kids. And I was like, rich kids? You gotta be rich to play poor on television? She goes, no, what I mean is because you have to have money to pay for classes and blah, blah. And I was like, can I take a class? And she's like, we don't have money for that, Miko. And I was like, oh. And she saw how sad I was. And she was like, no, I didn't see you couldn't do it. I said, if you find your own way, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, okay, that was a good mom. And then I I remember being so like, feeling like I was being robbed out of like, you know, my childhood of like asking for money just with my hand out because my neighbors would have like, (laughs) go to their dads or moms and be like, can I take this class? And they gave him a 20. And it was like a $12 and 50 cent class. It was ridiculous. Mm. And oh, I wow. went to my mom I was like, can I get an allowance? And it's like, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and it's just like allowance, allowance. And it's like, do you have, he's like, you have a roof, you have food in your stomach. Yeah. You don't need an allowance. You've got yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And right. so I was like, damn it. And so walking home from school one day and I saw this guy in the park going through the trash can. I was like, mom, what is he doing? It's so gross. And he's like, oh, vende los botes. And so you, what? He sells the cans and he's like, yeah. He's like, you make money from cans? And he's like, yeah, they give you five cents for each can. And I ran into her closet, uh-huh, ran into her closet, got a wire yeah. hanger, unhooked <laughs> into a long finger and I got a food for less uh, plastic bag from the kitchen oh, counter. Wow. And I went through trash cans and uh, it took me a month to raise the money to take that one. Only a class. month. Only wow. a month. I'm surprised too that it was only a month. Yeah, I wasn't because it was every day, and I tried and to. A lot I, of people I tried don't to, recycle, Elliot. Yeah, and I try to cash out after two weeks, and I would go to the food for less like uh, thing in the back of the alley, which is pretty dangerous. And I would yeah. go with my bags, and he gives you a voucher, and you go to the cashier register inside, and you like get. And so it was a slow process. The first one, I yeah. was like, "That's enough." I did it for two weeks. I, I broke into quinceañeras. I like go, you know, crash birthday parties, <laughs> and I was like, "This should be enough." 
And they were like, it's six dollars and like twenty five cents the first round. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it was just like, <laughs> so I spent a month. And then after it took me a month to do that one class. And after I did the class, it was the first time that I felt this like, you know, as a as a performer, you feel this like instant rapport with an audience, so you can hear mm -hmm. them react to your performance. And I was just like, this crackle to it that I was like, oh no, it took me a fucking month to raise that money. Do I want to do that again? It was so gross. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it again. And yeah. I, and I kept and how doing old it. Were you? How I was old were six. You? Six that years old. So cute. Wow. wow. I was just yeah. like, you know, microwave bologna and cheese sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it continued from that. Like I did like, by the way, sounds jobs. really good. That sounds really good, actually. Yeah, uh, right. I did like loose, like, you know, I, I helped my dad in his construction company on the weekends. I worked at a swap meet as the roller boy. Like I would roller skate with the tacos to the tables. Wow. Uh, I was a hustler. Uh, no, but then I was eight, but I moved to like uh -oh. six, seven, oh. eight. So by the time more I was mature. Uh, more mature. More mature. I was maturing. I was moving up the corporate ladder. Yeah. And by the time I was 10, I remember I was literally like, I need to make money fast. And so there was this guy who was putting up flyers in low income neighborhoods. Like, want to be, want a job? Have you, are you between the ages of 13 and 15? Oh, and wow. I, I wasn't, uh, I was like 10, uh, but I've always been like, you know, a uh, full figured uh, gal. And so like, I literally <laughs> looked like I was a little bit older and he looked at my face, like, you have a baby face. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm 13. And he's like, and he looked at me up and down. I was like, yeah, I can see it. And I was like, oh, hmm. <laughs> was like, that right. sounds a little weird, but all right. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally weird, shady. <laughs> but what he did was he basically all the kids who worked for him were all uh, weren't allowed to work anywhere else because most of them came from juvie. And yeah. so it was this 10 year old boy, me, they give you a box of chocolates this fake flyer and you go to door to door and you say, hi, I'm oh, Harvey yeah. and I'm with California oh. team. And that's like, and then you sell a box that he bought for a dollar at the 99 cent store and you sell it for five. He gives you a dollar 25 and he keeps the rest. You oh, know, wow, I did, wow. I did in, in Brent's school, like, I did something similar. <laughs> this is wonderful. I remember getting, I remember realizing I was a fat kid. I was a super fat kid and all my other fucker friends, they were skinny in school. And I would sell more chocolates than the skinny fuckers because I convinced <laughs> that people want to buy chocolate and candy fat kids more than skinny kids. And they're like, oh, this kid knows me. this chocolate must yeah. be good. He's down to party. Look at him. He's having a good time. <laughs> That's probably why you were it's so true. successful. I, yeah. and, I, and, and I also got to like, you know, do a monologue. Every time I go to the door, it'd be like yeah. something. And you'd be like, I'm only two boxes away from meeting my goal, which is a total BS. And then most of the time you'd be like, well, I'm diabetic, but here's a 20 or whatever. And I get tips. And I was like, we weren't yeah. supposed to get tips because he didn't get a cut of the tips. Yeah. And one time I saw him, he shook this kid down for the tip. Like he's all like, we don't take fucking tip. And like this kid was like straight out of juvie. He must've been like at least 16 or something. He has like a tattoo and like, you know, it, it was just like, he shook him down for like the tip money and took the tip money from him. And I'm like holding my box. Oh my like, God. If he only knew that I take tips. And I was like, <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, I did that for like, literally from when I was like 10 to like 12. And then uh, the guy was like, so shady. And I became his best seller yeah. on the weekends. I was like, I was, uh, then I caught on. I was like, well, why am I going with you? All you do is drive me to the location. He would give you a piece of chalk. And when you go yeah. into like that neighborhood, you put an arrow with your initials. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a racket. I know. Yeah. This is my life. This is my life. And you're a 10 year old <laughs> yeah. kid. That's was, why, that is crazy. Yeah. It's in development now, so. You, yeah. <laughs> you also worked at Universal Studios Japan, which blew me away because oh. I, yeah, I how was that a happen? kid, I wanted to work at a, a, a student, like a theme park so badly. How did that happen? What was that like? So I was going to AMDA at that, uh, around that time uh, and it was my first semester and I had just finished this musical theater program 
at Citrus College. And I was like, I still want to further my education. I want it because clearly, you know, you, you never stop training. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to go to Amdex. I always wanted to go there. And it was my first semester. And they were just repeating everything that I had already learned at the previous school. And I was like, what am I doing? And they, they don't allow you to audition until you graduate. And I was like, isn't that weird? Because the whole point of graduating and then going is find a job. So if you can find a job during school, why wouldn't you yeah. take it? So I auditioned behind their backs and I booked it. I, I would go through Backstage West and I found this like big flyer and it was like Universal Studios, live in Japan, money, you know? And I was like, mm -hmm. wow. Mm -hmm. And so I auditioned, I, not thinking that I was going to get it, but auditioning, I think I auditioned with like a, a, a Amy Sedaris monologue from Jerry Blank. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> it was my audition piece. And I was like, they didn't ask for that. They asked for like, a, a, like, like something from a musical. And I was like, I'm going to do right. this. I did Packing That's a smart. Musket by Jerry Blank. <laughs> when you work oh from home God. and John's call on the phone, you're a call girl. <laughs> when you walk with a limp and give a cut to a pimp, you're a street whore. <laughs> I love things with candy. And I literally was dying and I was like, well, whatever. It was an audition and they called me. They called me like around like December 22nd. It was Christmas break. And they're like, we would like to offer you a contract. You fly out January 2nd. Oh my God. And I was just oh, like, wow. what? You had to drop out? Did you drop out? Of, you had to drop I had to drop out. out, but I had already finished my program at the musical theater before that. So this was just like the second round. So I didn't feel bad about it. And I was mm -hmm. like, and that's usually the ratio. Like, a, like honestly, people... No offense to Amda, but it was kind of like people were starting to call it scammed, you know, because it was sure, just yeah. like, yeah. 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 And so I was like, well, the whole point, and I look at the graduating class that I would have been a part of, no one's working, you know? Losers. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, so I think that I did the right thing. And it was Wicked. I wanted to audition because they, they, they had the rights to Wicked and they were going to do it for the first time in Japan. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to. And so that's why I tried out. I didn't get into Wicked right away. I was playing a 12 year old boy in Sesame Street. So oh I was, it was East meets West and it was like friendship, you know? And uh, my um, co-star uh, was this amazing Japanese actress. So we were like best friends and then Sesame Elmo's are. And so when I got there, I was like, cool, I can do this. And they gave me the script and it was in Japanese. And I was like, oh, I think I got the wrong script. This is the director's <laughs> script, I think. And they're like, no, that's right. And I was like, no, but my lines are in Japanese. And they're like, it's Japan and <laughs> just like what do you think was gonna happen oh. and I was like what and I was like oh my gosh we open in two weeks and I was like um so learning the music was like fine but phonetically like learning the lines I was like what am I saying here it's like so it was a little bit lost of translation so it's like mina san coco wakimita and like it's just like the lines that like how do I is that the inflection on this word and is it happy and what is happening here oh. uh so it took a second to get that and, I, and to this day I can't eventually i was asked to learn the to swing for the wizard in wicked and i was like this oh, wow. so i'm playing a 12 year old and then i <laughs> i go to a 65 year old with a white wig oh my god makeup. and to this day whenever i hear uh, sentimental man i go into auto replay because i have to learn japanese so it's like i am sentimental man. <laughs> it's like wow. literally go into japanese mode yeah wow. it. how long were you there I was there 13 months. Uh, the contract was a 13 months. 13 it was a weird months. number. 13 months. You were 12? No. This oh, is after okay. college. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it, got it. You're still back there. It's a lot uh, of cans. It's a lot of cans that took me to get to Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh so okay. it was 13 months. And after that, um, I, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay or not. And I was like, I feel like I want to go back. So I was like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm gonna move and do Broadway because that's naturally what's gonna happen. And yeah. I moved to Brooklyn and started doing like cattle calls and uh, you know, 6 a.m. like lineups to be seen wow. at uh, midday for 12 bars, you know, of music and not 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 booking anything. Like there was nothing on Broadway I could do. 
and I wasn't booking and I wanted to not do television and film for the longest time because I was like, I'm a real lesbian, a real actor. Uh, and I, it just wasn't happening. My agent in LA was like, well, there's a show. If we send a tape and you just get a call back, you have to come back. And I was like, okay, what are the odds? And I got a call back and it's like, what have it? I came back to LA before I went to Japan. I also got an offer to do an educational theater program in LA, which I oh. turned down. But it was such a good gig. So I got back to LA and I booked the show. Uh, it was a guest star. But also when I got back to LA, they offered me the contract again. So I moved back to LA, did educational mm. theater program, which is the best gig if you can get it. I think people found out about it in LA, but it's full medical dental. <laughs> like it's through Kaiser yeah, Permanente. And yeah. you work like two hours. You do a show in the morning for kids. You bring you the whole set like moves with you. Like you are four actors in a van. You move the van to the school, you load the set, you get into costume, put on your microphone, and it's oh like, make God. healthy snacks. Don't eat Cheetos or that. <laughs> right. You know? And right. it's just like, and then it ranged from like that to like the high school show was like, Gossip Girl and it was like texting and it was a screen and it's all like uh, do you think you're pregnant I don't know should I tell my dad like is this like this yeah. the show so I did that for like a couple of years and then until I booked a series regular and it was the best transition so it all happened the way it was supposed to Wow. wow. And, you, and you never went back to selling candy bars. That's a shame. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, I'm, now I just buy them. I'm all like, yeah, I, I, when yeah. I buy one, I look at the candy bar and laugh and go, <laughs> I remember these. Now you've got that candy bar money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Arvi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Where can people uh, find Just my full name, Arvi Gian at, uh, at Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. It sounds great. Nice. Thank you so much. And watch much. the show. The show watch is great. The show. Nominated Absolutely. for Best Comedy Series last year, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, we a got, we got, it's a big deal, guys. Watch it. And another thing. Elliot, are you comfortable? Can we spend an and another thing talking about the stalker situation that you had? What? Elliot, um, don't, don't pretend. You know, <laughs> look. I, I, look, I'm going to I'm going to tell the listeners. Oh, my God. Talk, all right. Elliot, Elliot was Elliot had a problem with a stalker um, and he Elliot came home one day and he opened <laughs> up his his door and there was basically a strange man standing in his living room. And Elliot takes out his phone. He starts calling 911 and he starts asking this this man questions. Who are you? You know, where'd you where'd you come from? how much do you weigh you know things like that and long story short after they had sex elliot said to this guy he said look you can't do that again and get the hell out of my apartment um but they ended up swapping numbers nonetheless and this guy kept texting elliot and elliot was like look i'm just i'm not interested i'm not interested and the problem is you can't negotiate with crazy people you know so it was a couple of weeks later, I was over at Elliot's place and there's a knock at the door and Elliot answers and it's a courier service and there's a box for him uh, from this guy and Elliot opens it up and oh, I kid you not, it was a severed horse's head. I mean, I'm not kidding. Elliot, Elliot threw up. He went white as a ghost and I've never seen him this mad in my life. And Elliot stormed over to that guy's house. And after they had sex, Elliot called the police <laughs> and, he's, and, and he got him arrested. He got him arrested for animal oh. abuse and stalking. Oh. So I, I just, I think it's important for our listeners to have hear stories like that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about the time that Elliot legit had a mystery? At his place, yes, the, yes. At a mystery, when you the found keys, you, the keys, you found a strange set of keys, right, in your apartment. I'm trying to remember the details, but keys. I don't remember. Was it keys? Yeah, it was keys. Yep, I yeah. remember this. 
And you texted us. I remember you texted us because you were legit concerned about where the keys came from. Brent, am I remembering this right? Yes. Wait. You no, know, you, you, Elliot, you came back from a trip and there was like a set of keys in your apartment and you were like, where did these keys come from? And you start, yeah. and there was a, there was a gym tag on the keys and you start actually like tracing who it is and, and the name didn't ring a bell. And so, cause you went to the gym to be like, whose keys are these and all these things. And then it come, come to find out you had been at a party. Yeah. Somehow yeah. like yeah. this guy's keys got in your pocket or something. <laughs> and you had forgotten that you had taken his keys out uh, What? and put them down in your, in your own apartment. Uh, this happened to me. Are you sure? I'm That's absolutely you. positive. Yeah. us being like, you were legit frightened. You, you were, were you were genuinely concerned. You were yeah. like, I don't know who, how did the, how the hell did these fucking keys get in my apartment? And and I I remember being like a little concerned too. Know. I'm like, I think you what a strange even, thing. You and I went to it like our own text thread, being like, let's figure this out. Like how, mm -hmm. how could this happen? How could this thing? And I was like, Alan and I were were sidebar brainstorming of like, yeah. oh could he have done drugs one night and forgot? <laughs> I don't remember this at all. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I remember. Funny. Yeah, it it stands out to me because. It was, it seemed spooky. Um, wow. Okay. So all that, all that said, let's start the <laughs> real segment, uh, the real and another thing. This week, I wanted to talk about, I was watching, uh, I forget, I was watching TV or something. And I just had this thought in my head of like, who is the most famous gay man in the world? Like Me. universally, a, a, aside from H. Allen Scott, who's the most famous gay man in the world. And I assume there might be a little deviation in our answers, but ultimately, as it turns oh, out, no. we all came up with the one person that I was thinking I also, of. I, before you say the name, I will say, I feel like younger listeners would probably say somebody different. Like, I think it's our, I think it's like- Yeah, I mean, they would be wrong. Up, yeah. They would be wrong, yes. But like, I feel like they would go in a completely different direction. So I wanted to say that before you said the name. Okay. And with that said, the most famous gay person in the world is three- Two, one, Elton John. Elton John. Oh, I'm getting horny. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but the, the the interesting thing about Elton John is that like he just completely transcends yeah. all boundaries. Like yeah. he famously performed at Rush Limbaugh's wedding. Vladimir Putin loves Elton John. With Trump loves Elton John. Trump uh, loves him. Yeah, Trump, Trump loves, loves Elton John. Yeah. Elton John is this like this very flamboyant, openly gay guy, obviously, that is just, I mean, beloved across the world. And I bet if you went to his concerts, you would find all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. And I wondered, it, like, is it is it because he's just this really magnetic, unique talent? Or is it because music kind of helps us transcend boundaries more music. than comedy yeah. or, or anything like that? You know? Yeah, I think it's the music. And I think it's just like, you know, I mean, we talked about music before, but like the, the universality of his music, the like, yeah. the, 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 it's such good pop music. It's such strong pop music. It's so, it's just so memorable. And it's, and it's, and he's been doing it for so long that yeah. he kind of, you know, I, he does certainly like span generations, but I yeah. do, I do think that to your point, Alan, that younger people or Gen Zers would probably point to like somebody else, or if we, if it was just a gay, I think they would who, probably point to Ellen or some Ellen. Yeah, maybe? I think they would probably say Ellen. Yeah. Oh, I interesting. Like, I feel like they would, they would be very sort of internet singular. Whereas I think Elton John, I think you're right, Elton John. It is partly the music, but it also had that Liberace effect in that he didn't mm -hmm. start out 
being openly gay, even right. though he was very gay. And right. he, but he married a woman. He had a whole, like there was this whole other sort of bisexual life that he was leading. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was all sort of a front in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and, but yet he was still doing these. So you had these like beautiful, poignant pop songs, sometimes ballads and pop songs that everyone could relate to. And then it came in the package of this sort of flamboyant, spectacular performer, very Liberace in that like, you had this beautiful, beautiful piano music that wasn't campy and wasn't over the top and wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. It was just very traditional classic music yeah. in the package of a flamboyant gay man. And, yeah. and yeah. people sort of were able to sort of set it aside in a way and say, okay, well, I love this before the talent. So I'm going to accept this other part for the show of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and I think Elton John is that. Even his music was like not disco-y. Like, <laughs> Like he came, he was in an era that could have been very disco-y, yeah. but his music was just rock and roll and pop. And that I think, especially in the time, just transcended everybody and, and just yeah. reached so many people. He also, he also pre I mean, obviously again, like I'm talking about him doing Rush Limbaugh's wedding and Vladimir Putin in, you know, 20, you know, I'm talking obviously in the year 2022, but you're like, he was monstrously famous as of what the 70s yeah I think the 70s yeah mid 70s is when he really and he, and he came out probably in the 80s or 90s no he came out late it was oh okay it was sort of so i mean his and even that's the other thing too with him is that his personal story kind of became a part of the narrative of his music and how he kind of became huge in a way like mm-hmm. he he was this sort of fat kid who struggled in a lot of ways so he'd wear these sort of flamboyant outfits and then in the eighties, he was, it was clear that there was a drug problem and there were lots of things happening. And then it wasn't until like the early nineties when he married his husband and like, or he got with his now husband and mm. it really, it was around like the lion King where he really fully came mm. out of the closet and said he was a uh, gay man. And uh-huh. but before that he had get, given an interview, I think to the new Rolling Stones and like the Rolling Stone in like the seventies or eighties that said he was bi, um, but it sort of mm. flew under the radar. You know. I'm curious, just just like Elliot, yeah. Because he married a woman then, and he he did, you know, he was he was just a sort of a weird rock star, and he was yeah. doing the David Bowie thing in a way, where he was just sort of doing what he wanted to do, and then it wasn't until the '90s where he really came out, and then of course did all his work with AIDS charities, and that was a big mm-hmm. that was a big part of his coming out too. What what about honorable mentions? Who else comes to to my? I mean. <clears throat> I mean, Liberace. I don't. Yeah, I guess Liberace maybe we'll was a different era. On my list. But I feel yeah. like RuPaul maybe or. I thought um, like Pete Buttigieg just because he ran for president. I thought that too, but I and, don't think and like yeah. it's very United States. I mean, if we're talking yeah. in the world, Pete Buttigieg is not really, I think, known. Oh, I mean, I don't. I, I would RuPaul. say, in, in the history nerd in me has oh, to, yeah, that's a good point. Has to give a shout out to the one Bible that everyone reads, King James. He is the faggiest <laughs> king in, in in British history. He was known <laughs> really King James the first. Yes. He was known for being very, very gay and he'd have all these like sexual encounters and it was, it's very well documented. And yet he wrote the, or he translated, I should say, and had it translated, he didn't do shit really. Um, the, the Bible that every single person basically uses to this day. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, wild. So he was kind is, of is, the I biggest gay guy. I did not know, I'll have to Wikipedia that later. Yeah, and it's a if fascinating story. About his, if there's nothing about his sexuality, you are a liar. Have fun with it. Uh, and with that it. said, let's close it off with a little bit of Elton John's music. <laughs> Tiny Dancer. 
dances in the wind. You combine tiny dancer. You're combining tiny dancer and candle in the wind. <laughs> no, that's how tiny dancer Can goes, you Elliot. Feel the love tonight. Love tonight. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. What a wonderful oh. world. <laughs> what a wonderful world. <laughs> Why does it go again? Wonderful <laughs> phrase. Phrase, that's what it. What was the song, the drag song? That was, the play, that was a song playing at the drag show the other night, and you were singing it in My song? Brazzy. <laughs> I don't remember what song it was, but it, was it the Selena song? Forget what oh, I don't know. It was, it was. so oh, funny. It, yeah, she did perform to Selena, so probably the dream... Uh, Dream, just I'm dreaming of you tonight. Yeah, yeah. Brent yeah <laughs> tomorrow. I'll be holding you tight, <laughs> and there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be. <laughs> what, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Uh, actually, I've never heard of this so-called Elton John. <laughs> uh, my aunt Joanne would say, I think you're forgetting Harvey Feierstein. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> <laughs> Jew. How about Aunt Anne? Uh, well, I would say the biggest, the most famous homosexual in the world is the guy who played the dude in Psycho. Who I haven't taken a shower since. No, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But he, he was gay. Even- well, kind of. Yes, he was, just he was. bizarre. And no, no, he wasn't bizarre. He was gay, but he was also married to a woman, and that's he came out like he had he was HIV positive, and like that oh. was a whole. Thing. Oh, in real life, in real life, but in the, oh, the oh, oh. film, like that was the big thing with him. Really, Anthony Perkins. Really interesting story. Oh um, yeah, I was and, no, you mean character. Anthony Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins? No, Anthony Perkins. I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> no, he's straight. Two time Academy Award winner. How dare you assume he's straight just because he has he got married, no. remained come married, and had several children? Come to think of it, Anthony Hopkins has probably touched a dick. <laughs> I don't know, there you go. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Good. Yeah, right, right. All right, good job. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. We didn't I think say our names done. or anything. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. I know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Keeping that in. No, don't. I'm keeping it in. Go to hell. Oh, I just said, I just said H-E double, double oh. hockey sticks. Elliot's going to bash my head next time he sees me. Smash <laughs> it into the wall. He wants to shove, shove my nose into my brain. He gets so mad. Yeah. <laughs>